So as I mentioned, we have a discussion session with Professor Zhou Hanmin and Professor Danny Kua. Our first speaker, Professor Zhou Hanmin, serves as the vice chairman of the Chinese People's Political Consultative Conference Shanghai Committee. Our discussant, Professor Kua, is the forum's old friend. He is a professor of economic and international development at the LSE. Now, please join me in welcoming onto the stage our first speaker, Professor Zhou. Professor Zhou. Thank you, Mr. Chair, ladies and gentlemen, dear students. It has been a very heavy day already. I hope my presentation could be a little bit delightful, though the topic itself is still very heavy, concerning the latest program, progress, project, endeavor in Shanghai, called Shanghai Free Trade Zone. I just try to give you a kind of very brief introduction about this endeavor. Shanghai, for the previous 36 years, ever since China adopted the opener policy since 1978, Shanghai has been all the time in front line of opening up. Starting from 1978, it was chosen as one of the 14 opening coastal lines in China, or opening cities in China, according to the statistics. And second, as early as 1990, some 25 years ago, Pudong, the east part of Shanghai, was chosen as the pioneer for further opening up. Of course, during the whole process, of China's assumption for its membership, firstly in GATT, GATT, and further down to be a member of WTO, in total 15 years and five months, Shanghai played a key role. Now Shanghai was chosen as the first city to have its FTZ. FTZ is quite new, with the life up to today only 16 months plus nine days. So it's an infant. However, we hope it will grow up fast as we expect. This map shows you the original one because within 15 or 16 months' time, the FTZ in Shanghai has been expanded to the greatest possible areas, including three key areas in Pudong. So formally, the free trade zone in Shanghai constituted four very special parts. One is a free trade logistics park in Wai Gaochiao area. The second one is very important because that one is called bounded area in China. However, the English translation is free trade zone. Quite misleading, huh? it was done in 1990 because the central government approved to have the first bonded area in China in Wai Gaochiao in Pudong. However, then mayor of Shanghai, later on he became premier of China, said if we use the term bonded area, no one knows what we did and what we are going to do in that area. So that's why he himself suggested the translation to be done as a free trade zone. It is Wai Gaochiao. The third is in the airport. We have two international airports in Shanghai. One is called Pudong Airport. We have a comprehensive free trade zone there. And later, the free trade port area in Yangshan. So in total, four areas constitute constituted, I will use that word or term, in full, 28.78 square kilometers. It is said today we have over two, 100, one, sorry, 12,000, 1,200, I, I would say, 1,200 FTZs around the world. Two-thirds are developed nations and one-third in developing areas. Shanghai FTZ was the smallest one and maybe still the smallest one. 
By the end of last year, on the very date of December 28th, the National People's Congress asked the expansion of FTZ because Shanghai FTZ is too lonely in Shanghai and in China. We need to have few more. So the central government suggested the People's Congress to approve another three FTZs in China, one in Guangdong, nearby Hong Kong and Macau, one in Fujian, the other side of Taiwan Strait of China, and the third is in Tianjin, actually a neighboring city of Beijing. So, first and foremost, the central government agreed to expand Shanghai FTZ from 28.78 square kilometers up to 120.72 square kilometers today. Still, I think that's one of the smallest in the world. You see this map? It's a delta. Shanghai is at the edge of the closing area of Yangtze River facing the Pacific Ocean. So three areas are included into Shanghai Free Trade Zone. The first one is Lu Jiazui Financial Area. It is actually a symbol or showcase of China's modernization and further opening up. This is called Jingqiao Development Area. This is the one for modern manufacturing of equipment. The last but not least one is high-tech park in Shanghai called Zhangjiang. Now you understand, FTZ in Shanghai includes seven very special areas. Those seven special areas are not geographically, geographically connected each other. However, they have very special functions themselves. This part is my very important part because I will let you know why Shanghai FTZ is important and what has it done in the past one year and another four months. You know, it is a legal requirement in China, it is, or it was actually, in China. All foreign investment into China should go through kind of approval system at different levels of government. It has been a tradition for the previous 36 years, ever since 1978. Though the approval has got certain reforms itself, still it's a puzzling process for lots of foreign investment. So Shanghai FTZ, for the first time in China, tried to stop this kind of mechanism and to use a new method we call terms of registration instead. No more approval system. Just try to register as a company. So this is the first thing first we're going to do, or we have done so far. Then the problem is it's against the existing three fundamental laws in China. The first one is foreign joint venture law. The second is foreign cooperative joint venture law. The third is wholly owned foreign subsidiaries law. The National People's Congress made a very decisive decision on the very date of November 28, 2013, to terminate the use or adaptation of those three laws in FTZ in Shanghai. So now we can do something very new. Because previously, whatever foreign investment into that area should be in accordance with a thick book called Investment Guidance. In total, over 1,069 items within. Then, we are going to adopt a very old saying in Great Britain. Actually, we'll borrow that from Anglo-American legal system called permissible unless prohibited. That is why the Shanghai FTZ adopted for the first time in China and number 77 in the world for the usage of negative 
list. We worked out the first negative list on the second day of the formation of FTZ, to be more exact, that's September the 30th, 2013. After nine months only, on the very date of July the 1st, 2014, we got second version of negative list. The first one constituted 190 items, still very long and complicated. The second one, it was shortened 26.8%, amounting to 139 items. Now, we are still moving on because reform never ends. We are moving on to the very important new version we call version 2015. This one could be done within one quarter, I think. If we can keep up with the momentum, meaning to further shorten the items, to make it more comprehensive, this one could be a very important one to show the first step of success of Shanghai FTZ. So this is, let me repeat again, first time in China, we use the mechanism of negative list, and negative list is still going on. Second, what kinds of reforms we need? In China, for the previous 36 years, whenever you hold a banner of reform, meaning you can go everywhere, anywhere, without stoppage, this is not practice in Shanghai FTZ, meaning whatever we are going to do, it should be within the boundary and framework of law itself. Just as like I mentioned, we've got three national laws of foreign investment. We have a decision right afterwards, we have had a decision afterwards, to terminate the usage of these three laws. Now people ask, what is the fate of these three laws? Let me tell you. All three laws will be terminated forever nationwide. We are going to have a new law to replace the three laws. That law called Foreign Enterprise Law to be promulgated within this year. And what is the core value of the law itself? The core value is just try to follow the general practice of Shanghai FTZ. Second, if you are going forward for the very comprehensive reforms in different fields, at least you need to have something as guidance. So within half a year, we worked out very important new law. It is called Shanghai Regulation. Just now I said, this is termination of use of four laws. Just now I mentioned three. The fourth one is concerning investment by Taiwan people. So all those four laws nowadays are no longer in use in Shanghai and will be totally, overwhelmingly terminated in usage all over China within this year and to be replaced by new law. We formed a very important regulation called Shanghai FTZ regulation after half a year's endeavor by lots of consultations with experts, scholars, judges, and lawyers, home and abroad. Personally, I involved in the so-called legal consultation three times with the legislators themselves. This law constitutes nine chapters, in total, 57 stipulations. This is the very strong and fundamental base for FTZ's endeavor. What kinds of endeavors we have taken in the previous 16 months? I think these two sectors are very much important. The first one is those sections are opened furthermore to foreign investments 
and investments within China. First and foremost, of course, is financial sector, including banking, including insurance, including financial leasing. You can find all those in great detail in website. The second sector is transportation services because Shanghai is the largest seaport in the world so far as the container shipment is concerned. Shanghai has been first one in the world for previous four years already. So the further opening up the ocean transportation, international ship management are very much important. The third sector is commerce and trade services, like value-added telecommunications, because each and every, every one of you use iPhones. So lots of value-added APP are, with, are within the store. You can borrow, you can buy, you can use freely, whatever. So what about the further opening up of the value-added telecommunications? The entertainment and gaming is also important to further open. This sector is more important because lots of you, after the graduation of a youngster's year, you will work in this sector we call professional services, <coughs> including but not limited to lawyer service, credit inquiry, tourism companies, so on and so forth. So in this specific sector, we have further opened seven sections. The fifth is, of course, cultural services, especially entertainment artist agency, the entertainment facilities, so on and so forth. The last but not least one is public services. Just now I told Professor Chu that in Shanghai we have three types of universities. The first type we call wholly owned public universities. In Shanghai we have 54. And second is so unique in Shanghai. We have NYU Shanghai, New York University Shanghai. And the third, of course, a newly emerged university. It is called Shanghai University of Technology. So public services include two sections. One is education and training, vocational skills training. I have one of the uh, social responsibilities as the president of Shanghai Association of Vocational Education. Vocational education is very much important in China and also in Britain, I think. Medical services. We can have wholly foreign-owned medical institutions, so on and so forth. So these six sectors, in total, 23 items of further opening up, all carried on and get on to the earth on the very date of July 1st, 2014. Right after that, right after that, we issued another 31 new measures. Those 31 are in four sectors. The first and foremost is service. The second is advanced manufacturing sector. And the third is, of course, the offshore oil exploration technology. The last but not least is the opening up for the further investment in infrastructure construction. So now goes to my last part, because I promised Professor Chiu that I will never use out my time. I need to leave enough time for Q&A, because this is a forum. This is not a lecture by a person. So the last part of my presentation is, what's the future development? People doubt about the use of FTZ. Frankly, FTZ in China is not merely for the very purpose to generate more incomes in terms of GDP. Shanghai is the first place at provincial level in China this year to quit the usage of GDP as the economic development target. So it is not just trying to generate more money. 
more business opportunities. What we are going to do is to generate more reform results in the fields of new mechanisms, new legalities, and new ways of opening up. So I will say what we are going to do. First, we have the third step of expansion. Just I mentioned previously, from September 29th, 2013, we started practice of FTZ in Shanghai within the territory of 28.78 square kilometers, and then we further promoted that and expanded that onto 120.72 square kilometers. That was done on the very date of December 28th last year. Now we are going to have the third step of expansion. We try to cover the whole area of Pudong without a name. We don't want to say we are going to further expand because the expansion should be agreed upon by the central government. But we say we are going to have a kind of radiation radiation effect of the endeavor of FTZ onto the whole Pudong area. I personally involved in the master plan of Pudong as early as 1985, 30 years ago. Then I became vice governor of that piece of land on the, in the very year 2000, meaning 15 years ago. We tried to let Ho Pudong enjoy much more freedom of reform. This is the best way to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the opening of Pudong on April 18 this year. What's the major task measures of us? I think we need to accelerate the functional transformation of government, meaning the government should hold up its hand for the economic development. Let the invisible hand of market to play more important role in economic development. We need to further opening up of service sectors, for instance, how to finalize the last step for the full convertibility of renminbi, the national currency of China, within the shortest possible time. And also, to let the market-oriented interest rate to be a very common phenomenon in Shanghai, so on and so forth. Of course, we have understanding of what we are doing here because the organizer is going to ask me to have a closing for this forum sometime later. So I need to leave some of my remarks in that part of my presentation. <laughs> so that is why I think the important thing is to understand very well China is no longer an isolated place in the world. It's number two. Lots of people say it's number one of GDP in the world. We are number two. Far from number one, okay? Let the United States to enjoy number one for another couple of years. <laughs> we are number two. But China is number one in its trading. In its trading. China is number one in its foreign currency reserve. Four times of that of the second country in the world, that is Japan. China is number one for inbound investment last year, surpassed the United States. China is number three in the world for outbound investment. So whatever we are doing is not something we can just use the characteristic with Chinese interesting touch or Chinese characteristics. No. We try to make FTZ in Shanghai international, market-oriented, and supported by very solid legal foundation. We hope that the practice in Shanghai 
could be very much important because we need furthermore several FTZs in China. I will foresee we need another two or three FTZs right after Tianjin, Guangdong, and Fujian. We hope that the opening up strategy could be more pragmatic, not only on paper, but in real doing. We think. We used a new term called new normal to modify Chinese economy because the increasing rate is slowed down. The three costs are so high. The first and foremost cost is cost for the environment. The second cost for the cost of natural resources. The third cost is, of course, cost of labor. So further growth really depends upon something we are practicing in FTZ in Shanghai. I save a lot of time because just young gentleman tells me I have another 13 minutes to go, but rather I hope Professor Chiu can take up the forum. Thank you. Thank you very much, Professor Cho. Um, my role here is simply to be a discussant, and I would like to take just a few minutes because I would like to, as Professor Cho has said, open this discussion up to a question and answer session with you. Over, you will already know, whether from his bio, in the booklet, or from just listening to him, what an impressive individual Professor Cho is. I've had the good fortune to spend most of the last two days with him talking about all different things, and I've learned huge amounts. As I continue to do during his lecture, one of the things that I will take away definitely is something very personal. I did not know until just a few minutes ago that the number of free trade zones in the world it's actually just a mere handful when you come to think about it. A few hundred, maybe a, a thousand or so, but just a mere handful. And I didn't know that I'm lucky enough to have gone to school in the United States. I'm lucky enough to be teaching here at the LSE, getting to engage with so many of you. But I didn't know that where I grew up was one of these free trade zones. And I tried to relate what he was describing in terms of the transformation that he hopes to see for the Shanghai free trade zone with the things that I observed myself long before I became interested in doing technical economics, but just seeing how the world changed around me. Where I grew up began as a free trade zone that assembled semiconductors and electronics. And it got people to move from very rural parts of my country to this free trade zone to work. It provided economic opportunity, and in providing that economic opportunity and bringing prosperity to this part of the country and then more generally, it was hugely transformative for people's lives. But more than that, I realized as I was looking at what was happening around me, the free the word free in free trade zone referred not just to a relaxation of tariffs, to tax rewards that encouraged ever freer foreign investment. It also brought personal freedoms. It brought people who had lived, up, who had lived in very restrictive rural lives under strict families to a level of economic functionality that they were able to deal directly with the marketplace and with the rest of the world, and in improving their individual prosperities, it transformed their lives. Personal freedoms were changed through this process of a free trade zone. And it is that same excitement that I think people surrounding China who are interested in China, surrounding the free trade zones that are being set up in Shanghai, in Fujian, in Tianjin, in Guangdong, who are looking on at these same transformations. Several years ago, 
a Wall Street Journal reporter, Leslie Chang, wrote a book called Factory Girls, where she documented the transformation in the lives of rural villagers in China as they moved from Sichuan, Gansu, and elsewhere in Western China to work in Shenzhen and other parts of China as factory girls. And it documented how that transformed their lives. And I think that if all goes well, we ought to see a multiple, manifold ink transformation of the same nature here. So my first question, Professor Cho, yes, please. to you is when I go to Shanghai next year and I travel into the free trade zone, will I be able to buy an Xbox? <laughs> will I see this transformation in personal freedoms and entrepreneurial freedoms that are promised from a reduction in tariffs, from an acknowledgement that this special tax-free status comes from an interpretation of how certain parts of this, these free trade zones are outside the tax jurisdictions, outside normal tax jurisdictions. Will I, sufficient, will I see sufficiently encouraged foreign investment foreign business people who are used to the kind of personal freedoms that they see here, they get onto Google, they get onto YouTube, they got on the internet, will I be able to see these same transformations? Because that is what will be critical for how we transform the lives of people in the free trade zones. And just as where I grew up, the free trade zone that was Penang, Malaysia, then at that time, looked like it was going to lead the way for the rest of Malaysia to transform, to become a freer society. I want to see these same kinds of changes, controlled, stable way, also transform all of China eventually. And the way that I see the discussion going now is we've got forces that are progressive and forces set against these progressive changes. I want to know the people who are traditionally controlling financial markets, the People's Bank of China, their economic expertise. How do we set up their views against the optimistic transformative views that you as a leader in this free trade zone wish to push? I would like to see, as we discuss the 31 initiatives, the different negative shortlists, your vision and you know, communicate it to the world more broadly outside of this lecture and all other forums. What kind of positive spillovers you see emerging from Shanghai and then eventually Fujian, Tianjin, Guangdong? What kind of positive spillovers will there be across the rest of China? And how will this transform the flow of information and understanding, not just within China, but between China and the rest of the world. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Professor Chu. This is truly a kind of, you see, a paper defense for a doctor. You have asked a couple of questions I just try to follow. First, could you buy an Xbox? The answer is yes. Excellent. <laughs> the, the hardware and software of gaming machines were both prohibited in China for 13 years until the moment of the formation of Shanghai FTZ. Now we have two very keen competitors to compete each other in Shanghai. One is Microsoft, Microsoft of course, and the Sony company. And Xbox was released on the very day, that day was the first anniversary of the opening of Shanghai FTZ, to be more exact, September 29th, 2014. So hopefully you can book online and get one when you are there. Second, a very key issue, what kinds of experiments Shanghai FTZ are having today 
could be further copied, duplicated, and promoted all over China? The answer is yes. In Shanghai, we have adopted lots of new methodologies. However, those things should be moved further on to every corner in China. So within one year time, 27 practices in terms of governmental policies nowadays are used overwhelmingly all over China. I give you one example: the registration of the capital amount for a new company to form. Previously in China, if you promise to invest five million, until five million is on the account, then the business license could be issued to you. However, the practice in Shanghai FTZ was and still is: you promise to invest with a reasonable chart, then the first phase of investment is done. Then you can be issued a business license. This policy nowadays is overwhelmingly adopted in China. I give you an example, the figure. What is the result? From the first months until September last year, more than nine million new companies were set up, especially by youngsters, by graduates. And undergraduates. Just now, Professor Chu also mentioned the most complicated field for opening up in FTZ is financial sector. Yes, we have four very important targets. First, the interest rate of banks should be market oriented. Second. The official currency of China, meaning renminbi, yuan, should be fully convertible. The third, the controls and management; these two words will be abolished by the government. Instead, we are going to use governance for capitals and financial sectors. We need to have one thing in mind, that is facilitation. Why we need to have governance for financial sector? Meaning, we try to facilitate investors for their doing. So facilitation of the governance. The last but not least, the easier. Methods, means, and ways for investment going abroad. Just now I mentioned last year witnessed China to be number third in the world for outbound investment. I can tell you the year 2015, meaning this year, the year of sheep, will witness China will have more outbound investment than inbound. Investment. So, how to further promote that kind of endeavor? These four steps are whatever we need to do in Shanghai FTZ. Thanks to the great efforts, just I mentioned, the Central Bank of China, also led by another Zhou, same surname of mine, Zhou Xiaochuan, <laughs> the Central Bank. Has issued 30 stipulations for the promotion of financial activities in Shanghai, together with another supervising committees for banks, for insurance, for stocks. So in China, we have a very special term called 一行三会 "Yihang" means one central bank, "san hui" three committees. For the supervision of banks, supervision of stocks or stock market, 
and supervision of any other financial institutions. So in that way, we think we in total have 41 new policies in the field of finance. We hope that we can well adopt these policies first and to see whatever need we can ask from the central government today. So Shanghai is in the light, is under limelight. Whatever we do, we need to prepare any kinds of comments and criticisms all over the world. But this is part of the glory of the city of Shanghai. So we need comments, criticisms, meaning these two could serve as driving force for us to further go ahead. Because all the time we understand well, Shanghai is the eldest son of China family. The eldest son's responsibility or responsibilities are two. First, taking care of parents in Beijing. <laughs> Secondly, we need to take very great care of brothers and sisters in other 30 provinces, autonomous regions, and municipalities in mainland China, and also to do something good for Hong Kong, Macau, and Taiwan. Why I mention these three? Because some people in Hong Kong have been worried so much for each and every step we take in Shanghai. I ask them to relax because that place has gone so far away from us. However, they of course need to have some precautions. It is also a saying, old saying in China, the latter will be in advance. It is still the work of Shanghai. Thank you. Thank you very much, Professor Cho. Now I'd like to open now the floor to questions from the audience. If you could just put up your hand, make yourself identify, um, make yourself known, and then I will come and I will call on you. So first, the gentleman over here. Um, should we wait for a microphone? Yes, a microphone is coming down towards you, so if you could just wait. And then other people, if you could get your questions ready. Thank you, Professor Zhou, and thank you for your um, impressive speech with so many details of the Shanghai uh, Free Trade Zone, and also for your excellent English. Oh. <laughs> I learned, I started learning English at the age of 22. Could you believe it? I am a homemade potato, not a seed total like you. Could you believe it? <laughs> okay. mm. I noticed you said that Mm, the Shanghai Free Trade Zone can accept uh, lower GDP growth rates because of the mm, uh, industry restructuring, uh, which I disagree, since many economic studies have shown that the R&D of firms is positively related to the uh, long-term GDP growth. So I think the reform should, be, should, should lead to a higher long-term GDP growth rate, and that's why we have to reform. So I understand that the uh, short-term growth rate can suffer from the industry structuring. However, um, the long-term GDP growth rate should be higher. That's why we have to reform. So what do you think about it? Thank you. Thank you. Whenever you think about rate of increasement, you need to understand very well about very basic uh, uh, amount in terms of GDP. i give you several figures. In the year 2001, the overall GDP in China is 11 trillion RMB. The increasing rate was over 10% meaning you can get 100 million something increasement in total value. Last year, the total GDP in China 
was amounting to let's see, six three point three trillion or something IMB. The increasing rate was seven point four percent. If we can have a time of these two fingers figures, then we'll see the increasement in real amount of GDP was so huge. We cannot afford first the cost of environment. I give you an example. Though I was thousands of miles away from Shanghai, I know very well what is PM 2.5 now in my hometown. <laughs> the figure is horrible. At this moment, it's 185. That was the figure 60 years ago in London. <laughs> 60 years ago in London. 60. So, this is the cost of environment. Second, the cost of labor. He got such a good school to study. If you go back, you think your salary should be decent, right? Of course, you come from this beautiful university, of course. The third is the cost of resources. So in that sense, I will say, you are right on one part, that we need to have much more attention to the IND investment. I give you the figure. The IND investment in Shanghai is almost 4% of the overall GDP in Shanghai. Very high. <coughs> However, we need to have more young talents. Now, necessarily, you should go back home, but you should work out for the decent life for that piece of land you used to live even you were born there. This is important. So my answer to yours is we need to pay very close attention to keep up with the momentum of development. However, we still think the development itself must be sustainable, not just for one year or two. Thank you. Thank you. We have next questions. Yes, young gentleman. Wait for the microphone. It's coming to you soon. Um, <clears throat> I like your speech. And I, uh, at the, during the last speech, I have some questions. And this time, my question is, um, because as you said, Shanghai said free trade zone can get the benefits from the policy and attract the attention from not only the city, other cities in China, but also the cities around the world. So my question is, um, in this way, I think many other cities in China may follow Shanghai and apply for the free trade zone. Will that lead to a negative competition? Thank you. First. We have no even one piece of preferential treatment in free trade zone. Only responsibility and very important targets for development. Why we need experiment? Because China is too large in terms of population and the area of the nation. That is why we need to have a start from a small and limited area but that area must have the solidarity to achieve whatever we expect. That's why Shanghai has been chosen. However, Shanghai should have a new way to go in accordance with the theory in economics. The theory is what we call the functioning of goods means goose, G-E-E-S-E. G's is not a goose, meaning not a singular form, meaning you cannot have only one isolated place in China as FTZ. We need to have more. That's why we have another three. Why we have Guangzhou, Guangdong? Reason is very simple. 
because it's neighboring area of Hong Kong and Macau. We just try to take good examples from Hong Kong and Macau to have further more practice. Why we need to have Fujian? Fujian is the other side of Taiwan Strait, and I let me tell you the fact. Next year, in the year 2016, the total GDP of Fujian Province will surpass that of Taiwan. In that sense, we need to have further cooperation rather than keen competition. The third, why we need to have Tianjin? Because Tianjin is one of the municipalities of four in China. And now we have a very ambitious program in that area. We call the kind of unification of economic development in Beijing, Tianjin, and Hebei. So at least we have something somewhere to set a good example. So for us, this is a selection with precautions. I think this is good, and we need few more, but not too many. Thank you. Thank you. Th thank you, Professor Joe. Tianran tells me that we have to end this session. So I, I know that lots of people still want to ask questions. We need to have one more question from, oh. a, go from a Go student. Yes, from the, from, the woman from, the one, from the woman here in the third, fourth yes. row. Uh, I want to ask you two questions. So one, one is enough. Okay, okay. <laughs> the, the one is that like, um, uh, there, there, there are so many students who study abroad in UK or maybe USA, uh, but some of them found that sometimes they nurture in in foreign countries maybe can find a satisfied job in China. So if the uh, Shanghai Free Train Room set up, will it have some policies Good policies for the student who have been studying abroad. Okay, okay. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we we don't need to have uh, furthermore special policies to attract uh, young talents because the the door is all the time open. I do hope that right after graduation you could come to FTZ, and I will promise to introduce you and recommend you to some good companies to work on. <laughs> and in my, in, my, in my closing remark later on, I will furthermore mention a very important strategy of China. Let's talk later. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you all very much. I know that there are lots of questions. Professor Cho is now riding a wave. I hope you will come and talk to him afterwards and during his okay. final session. But we have, to close, we have to call this session to a close. If I could just get you again to join me in thanking Professor Cho. No, no, thank you. Well, I have to be the evil person here to cut you off, but uh, I hope you understand that you can still listen to Professor Joe later at his closing speech, and Professor Kwa will be chairing the next economy session later.